Well, if you can believe it or not, we are coming up on the last weekend of 2016. Thanks for closing it out with us. It's the Speaking Forum Podcast. I'm Adam McNutt alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gomison. Hello, Adam. Uh, it's so surreal to, to be coming to everybody this last weekend of 2016. I was doing some calculations, Adam, and I figured out that with this episode, we are closing out our fourth full calendar year of the Speaking Firm podcast. So that is pretty amazing. And as I said a few weeks ago, when you've done this podcast as long as we have, crazy things happen, and that's why this podcast as well is uh, being recorded um, with both of us as a phone conversation as opposed to in the studio. (laughs) So I hope the quality is good for you guys. We're just going to have some fun talking about New Year's and and 2017 ahead of us. So, Adam, why don't you start us out with our quote of the day? And this comes from uh, country superstar Brad Paisley. Tomorrow is the first blank page of a 365-page book. Write a good one. And, of course, um, this year, New Year's Eve is on Saturday. So, actually, we have two days left in the year as this is posted, um, but nonetheless, we are staring right in the face. We are staring 2017 right in the face, and so um, today we're going to talk about that a little bit, both personally and with some stuff that we have to share with you. Uh, before we dig into the to the links that we have or the notes that we have, Adam, um, do you have any particular memories of New Year's Eve um, that you'd like to share with us? Oh, boy. I think one of my favorite years that I can think of is when I was nine, and it was going from 1999 to 2000. As everybody remembers, or at least if you're old enough, that was supposed to be the year that all the computers were supposed to crash, and the world was ending, and all was lost. Well, midnight hit, and everybody's literally on the edge of their seat, and nothing happened. And I remember knowing as a kid that the electricity was going to go out. So I remember being like kind of nervous, but kind of like, la, 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 I'm nine. I don't care. And then all of a sudden, midnight hit. Everything was fine. And literally, I think the funniest part is I fell asleep by about 1245. <laughs> so that was uh, a New Year's that was supposed to be crazy and historical, but it was just, just another year. Well, um, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that because literally that's what uh, springs to my mind first and foremost as well. In, on New Year's Eve 1999, my my dad was actually with my aunt um, at a hospice um, with my grandma um, because she was close to going to heaven. She would pass away um, the next day, January 1st, 2000, at about 3 p.m. But they were with her as she was um, in her last moments, and my dad had told me that they had been watching on TV and seeing all the different um, uh, places around the world welcome the new millennium because we were suddenly not in the 1900s anymore, so that was a big deal. And I remember, like you, wondering if the power would go out. But I also know that a lot of people were, like, not necessarily panicked, but definitely concerned over it for yeah. about a year. And a lot of times people mocked the concern, but on the other hand, I think the reason it went forward without a blip is because we were concerned and we were working on it 
My dad, I think, um, started doing uh, business trips to convert his company's software over starting in, you know, 97 or 98. I mean, that's how vigilant they were. And so that's a big reason why 2000 didn't end up being the big um, technology bomb that, that they thought it would be. So just interesting thoughts about that particular year, and it's kind of interesting that we both came to the to the same year. Yeah, <laughs> in talking about that. I was a youngin, but yeah, I'll, I'll never forget it though. So, the first um, thing that we have to share with you is a little bit about um, Times Square's New Year's Eve celebration and how it came to be. Adam, would you like to kind of begin to summarize that for us? Absolutely. Well, it all started back in about 1904 when construction was completed on the 25-story skyscraper on the triangle of land created by the intersections of 42nd and 43rd Street along with 7th Avenue and Broadway. I feel like the streets in Holland, Michigan, if you've ever been there, are also like Times Square because they're zigzagging all over the place. Uh, It was to be the new headquarters of the New York Times, and as we know today, that peak building was where, and today, where also is where the ball is is dropped. And as uh, time went on, as 1904 drew to a close, um, Mayor George B. McKellen made it official that they would be doing the uh, ball drop, and actually Adolph S. Oaks was in charge of helping to do that by putting out the paper that Times Square had just been completed and as a way to celebrate, they're like, we should do something big. So at first what they what they would do is they would actually uh, ring bells to mark the change of the calendar, but sparing no expense at all, Oaks officially launched a new tradition with the uh, everyone coming down to Times Square, which was about 200,000 people at first, which is where they would start doing so each and every year as we know today. And as the old year died in 1905 was born, the news flared out from a tower of the Times Square to the north and to the south in giant figures, which took on all the colors of the rainbows and bore the tidings to thousands who waited and watched over miles of territory. So, so it was actually, at first, starting in 1904, it was actually fireworks and colors they put on the top of this 25-story building, which back then, that, that was a big deal. That was a skyscraper. You know, nowadays, it's like, what, two apartments and a health center? But... <laughs> As we fast forward a little bit into 1907, as it went from 06 to 07, the city actually banned fireworks due to safety concerns. So uh, Oaks was like, well, we need to do something different, and uh, let's signify the city's annual rebirth. And on January 1st, 1908, in a Times article, at 10 minutes to midnight, uh, they did whistles on every boiler in Manhattan, and tens of thousands stood watching the electric ball, which fell the first New Year's Eve back in 1907. As time was on, as time went on, as we know, uh, into the fifties, the aluminum ball, which originally was just kind of like a little bit of glass, was then changed into aluminum, and got the heft to around two hundred pounds to be upgraded to become a much bigger ball that people could enjoy. And as we got into the nineties, especially nineteen ninety eight, it then switched to being computerized, to where you just hit a button and then the ball actually drops instead of doing it with a rope or some manual way of labor. And then finally, as we were talking about earlier in 2000, going from 1999 to 2000, the ball got a complete aesthetic makeover with lights that were flashing and sparkling. And of course, with it being computerized, then they knew that we can have even more fun with this. And in fact, each and every year since 2000, the ball 
has gotten a new makeover to make it more amazing and spectacular each and every New Year's. And it would be interesting to know um, how much um, that costs, because um, <laughs> yeah. it is quite a spectacular behold. I think I've watched it a couple times, but generally uh, we're too busy with family and friends to sit in front of a TV and and watch a ball drop. I know um, in the past we've had a Grand Rapids ball drop, uh, but they said that there wasn't enough um, attendance and it was getting too expensive, so that will not be happening in Michigan, in West Michigan this year. Um, but you can uh, view it on the air, and I believe right now it is Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve starring Ryan Seacrest still. So I think our friend Ryan... Not that he really is my friend, but <laughs> I think he is doing pretty well, despite the fact that American Idol is not on the air. So thank you for that that bit of uh, New Year New Year's uh, facts, and um, we will make sure to post uh, this article at our blog for this episode, so that you can see the whole article and just some interesting things about how our uh, New York Times Square. Um, uh, New Year's Eve celebration came to be. And then, I believe, Adam, you have another link which shares with us some other interesting trivia about New Year's Eve. Was there anything in particular from there that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, some pretty cool facts. We mentioned that the first ball drop was actually 1908, but New Year's Eve celebrations have gone on much, much farther in time than that. In fact, New Year's Eve was celebrated 4,000 within the past 4,000 years by ancient Babylonians is where it started. And really the tradition to ring in the New Year with family and friends uh, started because of people, you know, you will see either give you good luck or or bad luck. So it was kind of a, a luck thing back then, which is kind of odd. Um, also, the top three places to celebrate New Year's Eve, at least in America, go as followed. You have Las Vegas, actually, which I wouldn't have thought about that one. Uh, Disney World. And then, of course, like we talked about, Times Square and New York City. But actually, internationally, one of the biggest celebrations happens in Sydney, Australia. Get this. They actually fire off more than 80,000 fireworks from the Sydney Harbor Bridge when they celebrate New Year's Eve. So, you know, I, I've been at a Fourth of July celebration where they have hundreds of fireworks. But could you imagine 80,000 at the same time going off? That, that's a lot. And But I will say that especially with the way this winter has started out, um, I wouldn't mind going to Disney World for New Year's Eve. Uh, maybe that will be podcast goals for New Year's Eve 2017 to come to you live from Disney. We'll, we'll keep you up to, up to date as to whether our budget expands enough to do that. <laughs> but I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, next four months, I'm in. If it's going to be and, under 30, um, bye. And um, I, on that note, thank you for sharing that trivia. And again, there's probably more in that article, and we will share that article as well at speakingforhim.blogspot.com um, for your enjoyment. But on that note, another thing to be excited about as we go into the new year is that we are finally getting... Um, a Chick-fil-A, or several Chick-fil-A's in the West Michigan area. But Adam and I are especially eyeing a 
Chick-fil-A in Gaines Township, which is slated to open January 12th. So we're hoping uh, that we can be there for the grand opening and at least do a, do a segment that we can include on a future podcast. Not sure if we'll pod- do a whole podcast from there, but definitely would like to be a part of the grand opening at Chick-fil-A, so we will keep you posted as to whether that will happen. Pretty exciting stuff, eh, Adam? Oh, boy. We've been waiting for this for a, a couple years now, ever since that first bite of chicken back in 2015. Yeah. In I'll Chicago. I've been to Chick-fil-A twice, once in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Well, actually three times now. <laughs> Fort Wayne, Indiana, San Antonio, Texas, and then again in Indianapolis, Indiana, about a couple months ago. But I'm excited to have one in our backyard um, because I've basically had their standard fare when I go because I haven't had time to really look at the menu and just enjoy the whole menu. And that's what I really like to do at restaurants is try all their different stuff. So I'm excited to be able to be watching college football and actually have the Chick-fil-A ads apply to us. So, again, we will let you know how that goes. And 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 um, definitely are excited about Chick-fil-A becoming part of West Michigan in 2017. So, I hope you've enjoyed what we've had to share with you today. Again, it's a pretty unconventional episode uh, with me having to be on the phone and... Um, just all the logistics going on, but I hope that things have worked out and that you're enjoying this episode. Right now, um, I would like to share with you a hymn story, and Adam has music to it. You'll probably recognize it. Most of us know the chorus, and the name of this um, song is Thank You, Lord. Um, the chorus goes this way. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. But there's actually verses that go along with it, and Adam's going to tell us a little bit about how this song came to be. And as we go into the new year, um, I couldn't really find a, a good New Year's song. Uh, we've already done Another Year is Dawning, so I thought this song, Thank You, Lord, would be a good way to go into the new year because we should go into it with a heart of thanks. So Adam, why don't you give us some information about this hymn? Well, as we fast forward back to the year 1940, we have Seth and Bessie Sykes to thank for writing this song, which actually originated from another hymn. Uh, Bessie, who passed away in 1982, and Seth, who passed away in 1950, were actually, back in the day, traveling evangelists well-known in the United Kingdom. A number of their hymns, including Thank You, Lord, and Love, Wonderful Love, made their way to the United States years later. And the Sykes were also invented to conduct services in the United States. But according to a family member, World War II put a stop to that and the moment passed. The Sykes home base was located in Glasgow, Scotland, the third largest city in the United Kingdom. Seth Sykes began his career as a conductor and a motorman for Glasgow Corporation Tramways. He also served as secretary for the Tramway Christian Association, where he was allowed to hand out Christian literature and Bibles. In 1929, several years before they wrote Thank You, Lord, Sykes left his job and, along with his wife, became a full-time traveling evangelist. The Sykes were somewhat like today's media Christian innovators in that they used lantern slides and rousing hymns played by Bessie on a small folding organ to gain the full interest of their crowds. Seth's sermons led countless people to Christ, and this hymn was most assuredly sung 
as a regular part of their services, and it continues to touch hearts and ears today. All right, and, and as I said, we will have the links for both the music and uh, the source material for this story on um, speakingforhim.blogspot.com. We, we, we put these episodes on the blog every week, but it's particularly important when we do these Freeform Friday episodes um, to come to the, the, the blog because you'll get the links for all of the source material that we use on the show and other information. Sometimes it's things that we forget. Other times it's just extra things. So make sure that you get on that blog, and you can leave voicemail on that blog as well. So we would definitely appreciate your feedback um, and ideas on what to do to bring this podcast forward in 2017. All right, well, just as I had a hard time coming up with a New Year's hymn story, I also had a hard time coming up with a YouTube video that would be appropriate for um, New Year's particularly. But I was doing some web surfing, and I came upon this comedy clip from comedian Michael Jr. about Jesus' brother, which I had heard before, and I just thought it was really funny. So let's close out um, this Freeform Friday, New Year's Eve edition, with this clip from Michael Jr. talking about Jesus' brother, and then we'll be back with our final thoughts. I like reading the Bible. I was reading the Bible. Found out, uh, found out Jesus had a little brother. Anybody know his name? James. When I read that, I was like, Phew. how much pressure was that? <laughs> Jesus, your big brother? How many times do you have to hear, why come you can't be more like Jesus, James? Because <laughs> you know, everybody probably thought that James could do the same thing Jesus could do, but he couldn't. He was just James. He wasn't James Christ. <laughs> Remember the wedding banquet? Jesus turned water into wine. Everybody was amazed, but they don't tell you about the next banquet. Jesus left early. They started running out of wine. Everybody looked at James. <laughs> it's like, man, last time this happened, your brother made some wine, dude. You, you're just going to stand there with your sandals on? You're not going <laughs> to... Can you make some Kool-Aid or something, man? You're not going to do anything. You know, James had problems just like any other kid had problems. He tried to follow his big brother around. So everywhere Jesus went, James followed him. That's what little brothers do. So if Jesus went there, so did James. I bet one time, James almost drowned. <laughs> oh, you just got that joke just now, didn't you? <laughs> Jesus walked on water and James tried to do <laughs> I'm sure James had problems. He would go to his parents with his problems. And his parents, especially his, his mom, was trying to throw him a bone once in a while. They'd pray over their food. They're like, Lord, we just thank you for this food. In James' name. <laughs> James had problems. He would go to his parents with his problems, and you know what they would say? He'd be like, well, what would Jesus do, you know? 
Then they gave him a bracelet. They gave him a bracelet. And um, <laughs> then he started selling those bracelets. You know? Made some money selling bracelets. What would be cool is a what would James do bracelet, right? Same initials, different meaning. <laughs> Completely different meaning. You're driving down the street, you get cut off in traffic. You fuss him out, your pastor gonna be like, yo, you got a what would Jesus do bracelet on? You're like, uh-uh, that's what would James do. <laughs> Driving an imaginary car for a long time, isn't he? Also found out when Jesus was 12 years old, Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. They lost Jesus. And you know the first thing they had to do was pray. I wonder what that prayer must have sounded like. Joseph probably did the prayer. He was like, oh, God. <laughs> Dear God, um, oh, forgiving God. Um, you remember that Messiah you gave us? You got another one somewhere, man? You know, that was the only we got something? Okay, we're going to find him. We're going to find him. Does anybody to wind out a year? It's with a laugh with Michael Jr. That's awesome. So, yes, I just thought that was a refreshing take and an honest take. Because I've often wondered some of what he was wondering, but he articulates it so much funnier and better than I would. So um, I hope that you enjoyed that little bit of comedy from Michael Jr., and um, I hope that you'll continue to listen to the Speaking For Him podcast as we move into a new year and continue to work together to bring you uh, high-quality uh, entertainment as well as thought-provoking content. Um, and we wish you a very happy new year from Speaking For Him. Adam, do you have any final thoughts? Yes, praying that your 2017 is, is blessed. And if 2016 was tough, just remember that God's with you and he's got some big things in store, I'm sure, next year. We're looking forward to spending it with you. And as teachers used to say in school all the time, we'll talk to you next year. <laughs> yes, as corny as that is, the next time you hear the Speaking Room podcast with a new episode, it will be next year. Um, all right, so... I think that's all I have for you today, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And as always, whether it be 2016 or 2017 coming up, may you keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking For Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 